Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 31 of IGEL Weekly. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. This week is a um, corporate blog review. Chris Feeney's with me. How's it going, Chris? It's going well, Andy. Uh, September's here. Hard to believe we've been doing this since January, February. Oh, Chris, October's almost here. It's crazy. Okay. <laughs> Pumpkins are out. Pumpkin spice is out. Although yeah. the, I started seeing it in August, which is stupid. You know, I'm like, come on, Starbucks. You know, I, I fashioned myself to be a marketing guy, kind of. And um, I struggle with how companies market stuff. Like Halloween candy comes out in August. Christmas. I saw, well, Lowe's. Lowe's has Christmas trees out in full force yesterday, this weekend when I was there. I just, at, at what point does it just become, I, well, you know what? You know what? Here's the thing. They're competing with online retailers that can do this all the time. Uh, so they can tell you Christmas stuff in, in May. So I guess that's the world we're getting to is the the cloud. Let's say the cloud is uh, is changing the way everybody behaves. It is interesting uh, uh, thinking about it in, in that perspective marketing in a sense, driving this message potentially that if you don't get it now, October, for example, you may not have it, you know, like, and we live in the land of Christmas trees, right? So, yeah. uh, it's <laughs> unbelievable. So, well, that's, that's uh, a yeah, good segue I, actually into the blog where the blog we're covering is overcoming the global chip shortage is easy with iGel, you know, take this marketing thing. I was watching the news, which is questionable whether it's really news anymore, but watching the news yesterday and they were telling me that I wasn't going to get any Christmas presents this year because of the global chip shortage. And they also said I probably wasn't going to get any Christmas presents next year because of the global chip shortage. And you know what? I'm okay with that. I, I don't need Christmas presents. I just need time with my family. Uh, however, it's interesting to watch marketing happening all around us so that, uh, you know, my other people in my family think, oh, I got to go buy all my Christmas presents today uh, because there won't be anything left if I don't. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I, uh, I don't I'm not always on Facebook, but there's a Facebook group page for uh, our son. Uh, he's at school and, um, and they always have one for the different uh, years that you're going to graduate. And so I'm watching all the new freshmen, uh, they're asking questions. And one of them was, you know, you have to get a new laptop. You know, here's the ones we recommend Dell, Mac, whatever. And, uh, there was a conversation there about, uh, not being able to find, or it took like four weeks to get one. And I, I made a comment pointing out the fact that it's a chip shortage issue. And the response I got from that was like, that's exactly what I'm like. Yeah. I've <laughs> been in this world for a while. Uh, but it, uh, it's actually the Citadel. So if you're in Charleston, maybe we should probably see, if we can pay a visit to the IT group there. Uh, I've been, there. I've, I've, been but, there. I've been there back in the day. We, we had, I had meetings with them um, 10 years ago. Yeah. And so a funny had- story before we get going on this one, Charleston, is you you looped me in to sponsor some of those Citrix user groups and Charleston was the first place I went. I, I probably told you this story a gazillion times, but it's my favorite Andy Whiteside's Integrist, or one of my favorites. Yeah. I show up. Where's Andy? Oh, yeah. he uh he left Citrix. He went to go form his own company called Zintegra. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. That was 10 years ago. Yeah. And here we are. Anyways. Those are those are big um, decisions that have micro uh, consequences and macro consequences, and 
Yeah, that's what keeps a lot of people from pulling the trigger and starting a company. And there's a lot of mac- micro things. You think about the macro things, it's the little micro things that may or may not get you in the long run. Yeah. Well, at some point I'd love to to learn more about what how you ultimately made that. It's a bold decision. Anybody to, to go out and start something, start well, a vision, a dream and I can make it real simple. Uh, you just I just looked at the landscape of what was happening in the partner community around end-user compute, Citrix specifically, and said, if I don't try this, if I don't try this, I'll regret for the rest of my life not giving it a shot. That's it. And there we go. Um, well, I can't sleep more than three hours a night because I'm so stressed out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Other consequences. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, okay. Here we are. Yeah, let's segue. So again, the uh, title of this blog today is Overcoming the Global Chip Shortage is Easy with iGel, written by Simon Townsend from August 26th of this year. Uh, it's not a very long blog. There's a video that goes along with it. But but Chris, help us understand how we got here and what happened with the uh, the chip shortage. So my story with the chip shortage is I didn't know anything about it until like May of last year. And a guy who does uh, engineering for electric cars um, for the, you know, for GM, he lives in one of my complexes and he said, Hey, you better get prepared. This is coming. And I was like, what are you talking about, dude? And then I started researching what he was talking about. And then lo and behold, he was right. And there's a massive chip shortage for everything. And cars, cars are a great example. There's, well, I'll give you one example for those listening. We're trying to give away a Bronco, but I can't get one. And, and it was going to be hard to get one. And it's going to be even harder now that they're all sitting in a car lot somewhere in New Jersey, waiting for chips to go into them. Yeah. So I'm going to, so I found an article about, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I posted on LinkedIn. I'll have to go back and see, but it, it, there's some history here, right? It's not just something like all of a sudden, right? What we've dealt with in the last year is really tied to a larger thing that began to emerge, right? To get these types of chips and the, and the process and all the, all the, all the, the manufacturing behind a lot of this is, is, you know, currently coming out of Taiwan. If you look at the global picture, right, who's their neighbor? Who thinks Taiwan is actually theirs? It's China. And so there's a what happens if something globally there takes over? I mean, that is a massive risk. And so you look at, for example, Intel, uh, it takes years to develop the factories and all of the processing and all the manufacturing facilities and tons of investment to be able to produce the chips that we're talking about here. It just happens that a lot of this is coming from overseas. Uh, and so uh, fast forward, uh, we've already kind of, you know, outsourcing. I want to say the number was somewhere in the 90% of this article. I'll have to go find it again, kind of talked about that. Uh, but a lot of this is coming from uh, that, that, that region of the world. Uh, so you have a, a chain, you know, supply chain scenario there um, here in the States. I think Intel is trying to, for example, uh, ramp up and, and be able to produce chips more uh, local uh, to North America that re- in that regard. Um, so then you enter this pandemic, right? And where does all the processing power get, get prioritized? The cloud. So you have all these cloud vendors, Microsoft, AWS, they're ordering gazillions of stuff, you know, just to get their uh, data centers up and running. And where does that put us? It puts us in a, a scenario where uh, you can't get that laptop. You can't get that car. You, it's, it's F-150s, it's Jeeps, it's whatever, right? They're sitting out there and they, they aren't moving. So uh, it's just a sort of cascade and now you're seeing it. Here we are. Um, so 
yeah, there's there's some more history there, and obviously, um, what can we do about it is is a big question mark, you know. And so, Igel certainly has an answer for that. Um, it could be the right answer for you. Uh, it may not. It all depends on kind of what you're what you're trying to do, but it's very likely. Uh, certainly, the project that you've started with your uh, nonprofit, uh, it's a it's a great example of taking existing devices that have enough processing power and can be repurposed. Especially in a cloud world where much of the processing happens on the back end. Anyway, I've got a, I've got my laptop sitting here, which I was thinking about on the way to work this morning. I need to replace. It only has eight gigs of memory. Everything else I've bought in the last couple of years has somewhere between 16 and 64 gigs of memory. Um, But I'm running virtual environments on that thing. But to be honest, my day-to-day stuff, this eight gig laptop that I carry around has more than enough power to get the job done as long as I reboot it once a week and and don't open too many uh, Chrome browser tabs. And by too many, I mean like yeah, four. yeah. Seriously, I mean, I mean, how much do you really need? I mean, uh, I I've got a laptop that's got thirty two gigs of RAM on it, and the main reason it's got that is because I I run virtual sessions on it in a demo kind of lab scenario. Um, but if all my stuff is in the cloud or remote, I don't need that. Yeah. I mean, it'd be a very fast laptop. It's got an NVIDIA chip and all that other fun stuff. And um, to to do the majority of what I do on a daily basis, I don't need that type of processing power. Yeah. Um, Most people don't. Most people don't. But the ones who run virtual environments do sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. And then, um, you know, but, but you take a lot of this and, um, you know, if you're you know, looking at the landscape and you know, anticipate this problem existing for a very long time, because uh, I even heard a story, maybe we talked about it a while back. Um, uh, one of the big trucking companies that makes uh, those big rigs, they were buying up. Uh, they, I guess they recognized the fact that the chip that they were looking for was in these, uh, in these phones. And I think they were buying a bunch from AT&T taking the phones, ripping them apart, pulling that chip out, inserting it into their trucks because they, they something like that. I don't remember somebody was telling me a story. I need to find out if there's an actual reference to an article or whatever, but AT&T recognized like, Oh my gosh, you're getting a ton of orders from this trucking company, you know, but they weren't using the phones or signing up for AT&T plans. They were literally taking those chips and putting them into their trucks for something else. So, uh, I'm not aware of any IGEL customers doing that, but <laughs> but there's plenty of stuff out there when you look at the e-waste. Uh, can that device, I mean, I've seen you, you're, some of your videos, you're literally going to dumpster, pull out something, and in just a few minutes, it's running IGEL, connected to Citrix, for example. Yeah. So. And, and that um, works just fine in a EUC cloud world. You know, we're getting out of the very heavy client server world that we grew up in. It's, it, it's very appropriate, especially if it's managed well. Yeah, very much. So this blog is uh, certainly, uh, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about this before uh, in other, um, as far as IGEL marketing goes, I mean, just making an awareness uh, of the situation. But um, but really, IGEL and our operating system, if you, you know, any x86 64-bit device, Basically, anything in the last five, six years that was capable of running Windows 7, for example, uh, that's a prime scenario for being able to convert that to run IGEL, whether you actually 
install it onto the hard drive or you use a UD pocket and uh, just bypass what's, what's installed. Well, let's talk about the tech a little bit because I think this blog is mostly, I don't want to say fluff. Don't tell Simon, I told him his article was fluff, but the idea of what we've talked about here, the general concept is really pretty much what's covered in the blog. Let, let's talk about real quick what it, what it takes. Like you need x86, so AMD, Intel, you need at least two recommended four gigs of memory. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I mean, two is your minimum. I um, I would definitely say for performance or at least some, you know, go with four gigs would be your, your best suited. And most machines out there, if it's a laptop, for example, or a PC, they're going to have four gigs to at least run Windows uh, reliably. So. And that's that's a really good point. We're taking a very capable operating system that has grown and grown and grown and grown through the years. And even though they try to shrink it down, it still grows again. Um, and we're trying we're replacing that with a much leaner Linux solution that you may not even put all of it on. Uh, that's that's why it works to begin with. Yeah. And um, and again, when you're not crushing the hard drive with a lot of read and write activity, uh, you'll notice uh, performance or even battery life in many respects uh, can uh, can greatly improve. And so it's cool. In this blog, you kind of see a picture. It's somewhat grainy, to be honest, uh, showing some performance uh, devices. And uh, uh, so what's nice to see is, you know, if you're not sure if that device that you've identified sitting in the storage room or whatever can run iGel or run it reliably, or most likely it can run iGel, but can it uh, provide that user experience that you're looking for? Having a, a tool to be able to show, hey, you know, a before and after or Here's, uh, here's what it looks like when I'm running Teams or Zoom or WebEx or something. Uh, that, that's that's a, a nice uh, way to you know, so, be able to, to, to demonstrate. So, Chris, let's talk about that. You have Control Up built into your product. You have uh, Liquidware Stratosphere built in your product. You can easily take a, a device that may be on the lower end of the spectrum and you can use it and then monitor it using those built-in tools uh, certainly using even evaluation licenses from those organizations, and you can get an idea of whether it's going to be able to you know, meet the minimum requirements, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and certainly, uh, especially if you're, if you're on the verge of making a decision to, you know, uh, repurpose those machines, uh, you want to be able to know that if I, if I do that, uh, it, is it going to meet all my user experience or requirements? And if you look you know, Zoom, for example, has certain requirements. If you're going to do like the offloading, uh, they have recommendations for, you know, the endpoint processing and, and same with Citrix with Teams. Uh, they have a reference in that. And if you map to that, uh, you should be able to, you know, get to that expected user experience. But in some cases, you may not. And it, it could come down to the endpoint, basically a math equation. Um, we've got tools to help you figure out some a lot of that um and so i liken it basically to mapping to you know igel has hardware the ud2 it's our low end middle tier ud3 ud7 and then you know uh and then mapping to those or exceeding them right but um but there's a lot of none of those have a core i3 core i5 they're all you know amd for the most part um so there's a lot of devices out there. You got sitting on core i3, five i7s, for example, from Intel. Yeah. You already got a leg up on the, on that. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, Chris, uh, hard drive space, uh, 16 gigs. Is that right? Minimum? No, hell no. Sorry. <laughs> uh, eight gigs, four gigs. What is eight gigs? Uh, I would say just over two gigs to, be, two to gigs. be sure you can shrink it down from there, but we don't need a ton of space to install. Uh, our UD pocket, the old one has an eight gig one. I think the new one is 32, uh, mainly because that was the smallest one we could get from the USB stick, but we don't even need that much. So Chris, so. But you, you mentioned UD pocket just now. I don't even need a functioning hard drive if I'm going to boot from the USB stick, right? Yeah, you could technically take out the hard drive, uh, especially if it's a spin disk, not a SSD, and just run off of the UD pocket, and we'll just leverage the RAM and the processing power of the device and all the other stuff that goes with it, whether it's got USB ports to this or whatever. So Yeah. Yeah, I have a couple of laptops where I've uh, just taken little uh, little nubs like your uh, iGel UD pocket and I, the laptop, the hardware hard drive's bad, but I just boot off a USB stick and you know it's boot might be fractionally slower, but the performance once you have it up and running is fine. Yeah, I'm toying around. I've got an old Dell. It, it had like a 500 gig hard drive spin disk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've got um, I think I think I've got eight gigs of RAM in it, maybe six. I can't remember. Uh, but I need to do some performance testing on it. It's got a core I3 in it. So it's definitely able to more than able to handle IGL. Um, but performance wise, I know it'll be faster just running off the UD pocket. So, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's really, uh, like I said, I, for anybody in it that's listening, right. I mean, just look at, you know, the, the, the typical status quo of, of, of refreshing PCs, uh, you know, maybe they've, if it's PCs that have been, you know, deployed to end user office spaces and whatever, you know, uh, uh, how many PCs are out there, you know, tall desktops I mean, or smaller form factors, you know, clean up, uh, you know, get a fan, clean it up a little bit, and then just put a new operating system on it. Um, if your workspace is just, you know, mostly cloud-based, I mean, browser can get you to a lot of things and actually quite functional. Uh, but if you need that, that virtual desktop, we've talked about it before in other podcasts, um, uh, the, the gap is closing on, on usability, um, feature functionality, and there's more stuff being added over time, just make it seamless. So, um, now, now's a good time to consider, um, all your options when it comes to uh, you know, this chip shortage. So, yeah, about um, um, five years ago, I walked into a local computer store here, ATD Computers here in Charlotte, and and they literally had pallets of five year old computers just sitting on the floor, eighty bucks a piece. They worked fine. Um, in fact, we've got another organization they're working with nonprofit that um, they work with election boards that have to replace the computers every two years, no matter what those have to go somewhere. And historically they've just recycled them. It's just kind of like a waste, but you know, our, uh, our government sees that as a way to keep spyware, malware and performance where it needs to be. So those, those things should be reused. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. I've been having this conversation on the, uh, the ransomware malware thing for quite a while now. And obviously, you know, recent times, uh, certainly whether it's, uh, the political landscape or commercial, whatever, I mean, the, 
Uh, I think we all in the East Coast got affected by the colonial pipeline and uh, gas shortages, briefly at least, I would say, for a few weeks. Um, but certainly that type of thing concerned, you can literally shut down in half of a country, if you will, half the size of our country uh, with that. Um, and why would you not consider a more secure endpoint strategy if you don't need to run Windows locally? Sorry, Windows is getting all the uh, attention here, but it is what it is. Uh, look at the numbers, <laughs> the ones that are deployed more widely. Well, and let's, let's um, point something out for the Microsoft fans. Big Microsoft fan here. They've got a very capable operating system that with capabilities mm-hmm. and functions and features comes potential vulnerabilities all this operating system is written by human beings that uh, are, vul- are are flawed. Like we can't make it perfect. And the more we make it, the more likelihood it's attackable no matter what you do. They've done a great job making it more secure, but you can't, you can't completely, you, you can't completely make it perfect. Right. And, and if you notice, I mean, even Apple, I mean, I, I, I've been using Apple now for quite a while. I switched from a BlackBerry years ago. Uh, but getting alerts from Apple, like, hey, we, we've got a vulnerability you need to update now. Mm-hmm. Um, their ecosystem, their their app, their operating systems seem to be impenetrable, right? But but obviously, uh, they're finding ways to uh, compromise that type of OS. And um, so nothing's perfect, um, but certainly you can cut out a lot um, from mitigation by having a different type of OS on that endpoint. And um, and rethinking your strategy and, and bandwidth is not a problem at 5G. If that's you know becoming more widely deployed, I mean the bandwidth on 5G. I mean look what look, look at the economy that got built on LTE, the Ubers of the world, the Airbnbs, and all these other mobile type apps leveraging that type of uh, user experience with a mobile platform and an app. Um, Imagine what possibilities are going to exist with 5G more more uh, widely uh, leveraged bandwidth will, will not be a problem, and you don't need a ton. I mean, I'm sure you run your Citrix environment off a hotspot, right, on a 4G hotspot. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've done conference calls. In fact, last week, I think uh, on the way down to Charlotte, the event, I was just leveraging. They had an LTE hotspot in the train. I had a Zoom call, Teams call. Other than a few little spots here and there, it worked pretty fine. No issues. You know, I was able to get work done, have calls like this. Uh, it was great. Sit in the car. Nobody bothered me. Yeah. Sometimes, so, the, sometimes the car is the best office. It is. In my case, it was. So, well, um, Chris, and, well, actually, I think you were on the train, right? Yeah. I took the Amtrak down from Raleigh to Charlotte. Nice uh, three-hour commute. Yeah. Hey, well, I think we've covered this topic. Um, anything else happening in the IGEL world that uh, you'd want to highlight now since we've got listeners at the moment? Well, there's a big announcement coming out tomorrow, um, a new version. It'll have a jam-packed full of stuff. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a blog that'll uh, announce a lot of it, and we'll cover that in a future episode. Um, but be on the lookout um, for our new, brand-new 1106 uh, jam-packed full of new and exciting features. So, yeah. Uh, we also have our disrupt conferences. Uh, we've got one in Charlotte that's going to kick things off, followed by Chicago, I think New York, LA, um, and then we've uh, here in the states. Um, there might be one in Dallas too, or something like that. If we got things right, but 
Uh, so we're starting to do these in-person disrupts uh, again. So if you're interested in signing up for that, um, certainly uh, I'm sure it's on our website, but probably disrupteuc.com, something like that, and you'll be able to sign up. Or certainly okay. talk to is Integra. They'd be happy to have you join them there. Well, yeah, if you're planning to attend one of those, let us know. Uh, email info at zintegra.com. We've got a special T-shirt. We're getting printed up for all those. Um, so it should be a lot of fun. Just, just something to have some fun in the strange world we live in. Well, Chris, I appreciate you joining. I know you got uh, plenty of other stuff to do, but uh, we did want to jump on and talk about this in between our you know um, podcast we do with Seb every other week on the maybe more technical side. But um, the world has come to us in terms of the chip shortage. I don't see us ever completely avoiding this again. We're going to have to become more more intelligent, more smarter, uh, intelligent about how we consume the endpoints. And uh, you know, IGEL has been talking about this for 20 years in user computes been about this for 20 years. Networks have gotten a ton better. It's all starting to come together. Um, it's all, it's all making sense. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure as always, Andy, you know, we'll, uh, I'll see you Thursday probably. Yep. I'll be there. Awesome. And then I'm heading to Charleston after that to take kiteboarding lessons. So, uh, if you I think I asked, let me know if you want to go. I'll be there the following weekend, but, uh, I'm tempted. We'll talk. All right. See you. (laughs) Take care.